In 2010, LeBron James moved his talents to South Beach. But in 2017, Victor Thatch joined the ranks at AAC. Oh, what a post that was. <laughs> oh, that takes me back, doesn't it? Four oh. years to the day. Today. Nah, not today. I'm oh, kidding. Man. But it was about four years oh. ago. It's about right. Yeah, near the end of the year, just after you opened up. About a month or so. Yeah, we've had our four-year anniversary already. I think that was about two months ago. To paint a, just to paint a picture before I actually ask you why you did it in the first place, we'd been open for about a month and I knew about you because you were working at Fastwitch at the time and I'd worked there previously and similar with pretty much everyone in the workplace. Before I met them, I thought they hated me for some reason. I'm not sure why because if you're not with me, apparently you hate me or something. I saw you on Facebook and I'm like, I'm just going to give that guy an ad. He's in the industry. Maybe he likes networking. Maybe I'll get something out of it. Screw it. I'm just going to give the guy an ad. And then, like any good Tinder date, you pop into my DMs the next day. <laughs> yeah, and then four days later, we were signing contracts and whatnot. Oh, man. That was a crazy time. I guess, what led to you actually wanting to join the ranks? I guess we were very, very raw at the time. Like, ASC was around for a month. I don't, we'd been posting a little bit. I was still working part-time. I still wasn't actually full-time in AAC. I was still working part-time at other various locations. What prompted you to go, this could be the location for me, this is where I need to take my career? Um, yeah, no, it's a it, bit of a backstory before that decision was made, but like, um, yeah, I was at Fast Twitch um, as a, a casual employee or, or a casual, I guess. Um, so they, they always had the choice of increasing the hours, decreasing the hours, anyone that I worked with was a part of the gym rather than with me, even though, you know, that's always, that's, that's the story for another, like, uh, mm-hmm. I think for another day, but yeah, so they always had that control, which is fair enough. But, um, I was also finishing, I uh, sorry, I was also out in the workforce doing um, clinical exercise physiology. Um, and I, and I was enjoying that, but I kind of wasn't getting enough of the high performance side, which I really enjoy. Most EPs don't go into this going into we're going to work in high performance. EPs considered more so clinical. You're going to be working at a hospital. You're going to be working at an aged care facility. You're going to be working predominantly with elderly in rehab settings. Yeah. No, no, I, I was in a, um, uh, a GP clinic like with um, all the other health disciplines as well. So it was a really good setup there. And, you know, in-house referrals and everything. So it was a good setup. Um, but, yeah, I, I just always had that itch of like wanting want to do more high performance um, undergrad, I was lucky enough to get a um, placement at Fast Twitch and worked under some really good coaches, Andrew and Damien Ferner, Maynard at the time, um, and they were great mentors. But yeah, I, I had the split of a little bit of high performance and doing the private clinical experience at workplace. But yeah, I just wanted to do more, and then it just happened that this popped up on my Instagram feed. I was like, this this looks like a nice spot, you know. It's not like your typical gym, commercial gym, where there's like, you know, 10 benches, 10 squat racks, cable loaded machines. Like a lot of the stuff that I was doing with Fast Switch was actually a lot of um, on their track space and a lot more like, um, you know, functional movements or athletic movements, um, helping people jump, sprint, all those sort of mechanics. And I saw there was a bit of space there. So that sort of, you know, caught my eye and went, that's something that I could really get into without sounding too old this is only four years ago but there wasn't peak around there wasn't jt around there wasn't a lot of these smaller 
I guess, boutique gyms yeah. that offer that floor space. F45 was emerging, but it still wasn't something. I don't even think body fit was around in Adelaide during that time. So to have a gym where it's mainly kettlebells, squat racks, barbells just laid out, some turf, it was foreign. We had good lives. We had anytime finishes, snap, zap, plus. A lot of big commercial gyms. You had your commercial gyms, but you didn't really have any other options to go for those smaller locations. So I guess maybe that's something that sort out to you and I guess that's what we were trying that's when AOC was entering the market that's pretty much what we were trying to be yeah no, I, I 100% like there wasn't anything around outside of you know mentioning fast switch like that was the only placement that was closely sorted to sports unless you went to a football club but even then you know football clubs didn't have like it's not your private clubs. industry yeah, it's yeah. not private it's, it's still a club environment yeah so no I, I saw that just sort of kept an eye on it and then I knew of Mickey at that stage. Um, obviously, there's not many uh, exercise physiologists that are working in the sports industry as well. Is there um, anyone else still aside from us? One at peak. Oh, yep. Eric at peak. Um, it's it, few it, and it, far it's between. Because generally, if you look at like the population on the spectrum, um, and this is very, you know, black and white, but... You know, on one end you'll have like the high performance athletes and on the other end you'll have clinical um, athlete, uh, clinical populations, but everyone thinks it's one or the other, but it's, it's you know, similar philosophies, similar way you, you, you approach things. It's, you might call one an athlete, one a population, you know, you might call one like high performing, but if you can get someone to walk again, that's a high performing effort for them and someone, you know, competing, you know, repeat hundreds for a certain amount of time that's high performing for them but at the end of the day like coaching's co- like for me I call it coaching but you know coaching's coaching you've just got different a different set of tools that you use and what's what sparks that flame in you that makes you go I still have this clinical background but I want to get more into sports conditioning youth training what drives you what motivates you um I, I like the challenge of it realistically like you, you, both ends of the spectrum have different challenges, different needs, different motivations. But for me to put all the pieces of the puzzle, or doing my part to put my pieces for their puzzle, I think that that that's a big driving factor. And then yep. you know, it could be an older population, younger population, high performance, or just you know, starting out their career. All of that excites me. I think that's you, you know, want to help that people. Inter- that internal internal drive to like, do my part. How do I problem solve so I can? put everything together to help this person we're never going to take credit for all their achievements absolutely not but to be able to have that small influence and be able to help guide someone to achieve what they want to achieve is huge when you I guess first approached us first approached me had you ever worked self-employed before so yeah so with the um, like private clinic I was talking about um I, I went into that assuming that I was an employee of um, the the GP clinic, so the super clinic, um, and they said no, you've got to go out, like you've got to be your own, um, you've got to have your own ABN, have your own insurances, all that sort of stuff. But you you're provided with the space, and then you get our admin team to help out with all the admin side, all the scheduling. And I was like, all right, that that's new to me. Where at um, where I used to work, it was. Um, you're an employee of the business, you kind of control a bit of like 
the, the organ like all the organizational side, but you run the programs and everything like that. So I assumed that it was going to be the same thing there, but they said, look, you've got to go out on your own. Like you've got your own ABN, you're your own business, um, which is where Performex Sport came into place. Um, we'll give you the admin team. You pay a, a fixed percentage of your rent. Uh, sorry, a percentage of your rent goes to us, and, and that's the system. So that was my first exposure to that. And then same thing here. I I wasn't sure what was the case here. Where it was, do you need employees or do you, are you having like a subcontractor? And obviously it was a subcontractor um, situation at that stage. But it, it was a very weird stage for us because we were both growing. It was foreign. But we were helping each other so much. I think we were both going into uncharted territory where we're like, let's see how this works out and let's hope for the best. And I think because we were both in that stage, we had to be just purely honest with each other. Look, I think this is how it's going to go, but we could also not be around the next six months. We don't know. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, like for me, I didn't have an existing clientele base out here. Like I said, um, where I used to work, like they they stayed there and, you know, there, there was... The way it ended was the way it ended. We'll leave that for another time. But yeah, no one, um, everyone stayed at that gym and I pretty much came out fresh this way and then started with zero clients. Well, we were originally both East-based. Yeah. The only reason that we set up Shop West was because my former boss pretty much told me, you're allowed to open a gym. You're allowed to continue working here to make it as far away as possible yeah. from here. So I'm like, all right, if it's East, let's go West. Yeah. And this happened just to pop up right around from the corner from a well-known bakery and yeah. <laughs> we're like a very very well-known bakery class <laughs> yeah, no, so, yeah coming out coming out this way was so foreign as well like i'm it was I'm a new a, market i'm a northern suburbs boy i was working out northeast went to uni in the city the only reason the only times i'd come out this way is for the beach yeah like i didn't know anything around here i didn't know what the next suburb over was anything like that now now i'm entrenched it's, here. A, it's a second home now isn't it <laughs> pretty much Pretty much, I've slept on every couch here. What were the biggest well. challenges for you, I guess, in the beginning? And what were the biggest learning experiences in the beginning? Trying to essentially set up your own high-performance business because you've been in the clinical aspect of it. How did you go now? All right, I'm not an employee in the high-performance space anymore. I need to do this myself. Where did you venture out to, to be like, this is where I'm going to gain clientele from? Probably the biggest learning experience is, you know, now looking back, it's, yeah, there are resources out there to help, but I, I, I was at that time pretty comfortable, pretty confident with my coaching, but you can't coach no one if you don't have anyone in the gym. So, you know, it was it was taking those extra steps, showing a bit of initiative, um, reaching out to people, reaching out to clubs, all that sort of, um, all that sort of networking that you need to do to build up your base and then continually to keep that base um, growing. Um, like I said, I, I came in with zero over here. I remember someone I used to train that lived out here, gave him a message, started that conversation, and then he, you know, he, he knows one or two people that's around the area. He knows another business that, that might have someone that you can link with. And the next thing you know, you know, there, there's a few soccer clubs around, you can give them a call and sit, you know, offer your services for free, um, which is what I did, and then you never know what that can lead to. But for me, you know, that the biggest learning experience is like the, the, the networking that you need to do. There's no point of, being a really good coach and having the best programs available when you're not training anyone. You need to be able to network and communicate with other people. And I think, crazily enough, it's become more and more important how you can do it in person. You you were, oh, as far as I'm aware, there was about three or four different things that you had on at the time, whether that be through teaching, 
through a few various soccer programs, yeah. clubs as well, yeah. and you're putting yourself out there. Um, people look to Facebook and Instagram and go messaging. That was actually more effective back in the day. Unfortunately, now you go to the point where if someone doesn't follow you or don't have a, like a friend request for them, if you message them, it's just going to go into their spam. Yeah. It's even harder now, although we have so much access to technology, it's harder to connect online now. I, I, I did this weird thing, I called people. Yeah. I don't know if people are still doing that these days, but I, I called, you know, um, I'm going to put a name, like Adriano Pellegrino. He um, had an academy out this way, completely foreign. Like, again, I, I gave him a call and I said, look, hey, I, I've just moved into the area. If you need, you know, I, I want to coach that, that um, has just started in the area. Maybe I can show you what I can do. Um, maybe I can come out and just, ta- you know, help take a session or take a warm-up. You know, from that, then that leads to having a network that he might go, this is great that you can do this. I've, you can work with here or you can help out here, you know, and... Use your contacts to just be able to, like, get your foot in the door. You're probably not going to score a job out of it, but you have the opportunity to advertise yourself for free. Yeah. The first time that I ever did anything, and this is when I first started, this was East as well, um, end of 2015 or mid-2015, my final year of uni, I had someone from uh, someone that had worked at North Football Club and they had the end of season for the 13s, 14s, and 15s, just the end of season presentations. They're like, if you want five minutes to get up and say what you do, by all means. Oh, shit, scared. And I bought some flyers that I literally made on Microsoft Word the day before using Word Art <laughs> and all of that. I'd cut out with scissors. There were still some white lines around it. And you know what? I can't even remember what I was saying to them all, but I was pretty much trying to advertise something that didn't exactly exist yet. I train people. Cool. Who the hell are you? ATS. <laughs> ATS, baby. <laughs> oh. And I ended up getting three clients from that. Yeah. There was probably about 100 kids there, but three of them went, shit, I'll jump on board with that. One of them happens to be Brody Dixon, who's still here and still here with his brothers, what, six years later. They were dumb enough to start with me then. They're dumb enough to continue uh, with me now. I love you, boys. Dumb enough to continue with us. <laughs> <laughs> no, no that, that's it. Like, you said there's 100 about a hundred and you hit three that's a three percent hit that that's three times what you would you would expect yeah you know like that that that's the reality of putting yourself out there as well like you're not going to have a hundred percent success it's a niche industry too yeah you know and and what you're offering can you know the next person may offer the same but like it's a one like one percent is probably a good number to look at a hundred flyers you get one back yeah go out to like you know a few different clubs and whatnot. When did you start becoming convinced that it was something legitimate that you wanted to do for a long time? I'll let you know when the day comes. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, um, oh, I reckon probably a year and a half into once I um, came in here uh, like with AAC and like, you know, that the first oh, six months is very interesting because you kind of go like, you know, building up one or two a month or so and you go oh, maybe this is you know not right but one a month is still plenty and then you get that rolls to two and then they those two might bring in one more that's three and then they might bring one more each or only two of them and that's five and you slow you build out from that and you, you still build those relationships that that's probably when you work the hardest when you've got the least amount of you know, clients or, or in a business, like how many people you're training or members you, that you've got. But then once you get that base, you can use that and help, it'll help grow. And then for me, that, that was a big point where like, I was starting to get referrals more often from 
a lot of the private um, athletes I had, they would bring in someone else, and then you know you'd you'd have two sessions, and then you get those one or two quality per month, like you said, and they're probably going to stick around forever to the point where you're not going to have enough room for anyone else. Yeah, no, and I've yeah probably like early days, like you know I'm going to uh, like Jamie Signorello. He was he was a classic example. Got brought in. Um, one of my first two, three clients here, he's still with me today. He's brought in his brother to do sessions as well. Like he's you know, a massive advocate for it clearly when he brings in like his younger brother to do gym work as well. Yep. And from there you go like, you know what, like I'm not, I'm not just running into a brick wall every day. Like I'm getting somewhere now. And then, yeah, you get to that point where you kind of like, you know, you sit back for a second, you go, this is actually like, it's running, it's, it's working. I am making a difference and it's it's meaningful like I'm not just rocking up to do something and then leaving like it's it's meaningful the one part of the clinical that never allured me about the clinical side of exercise physiology is the fact that you might only see some certain people through Medicare a few times a year I, I understand that could still make a significant impact on someone's life I'm selfish though I like to get to know the person more I like to be there on more steps of the journey with them, not just be like, here, this is the plan of action that I hope you're going to take and I hope it's going to work for you. I need more. Uh, I need to know that, but I want to honestly become mates with whoever it is and be like, yep, I'm going to make a significant impact in their life. You can do that in the clinical side as well. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's more common in the high performance side. Yeah, I think... Totally forgot about that. Like you know, if if you're on a, a Medicare plan or a um, chronic condition plan, you, you've got max six, five visits, and they have to share it with someone else as well. So it's almost down to four. Yeah. And if you've got a class, like if you, if you do a class, it's maximum of twelve, and you get another I think eight to uh, ten to eight. I think it's eight. So potentially you see someone like you know thirteen times. If they're coming in weekly, like you know, a regular routine should, that's three months of the year. And then, if the, if they if they can't afford it, if they're not in the right setup, or they don't have the resources, like you've helped for three months, and then you've what, what are you going to wait another nine months till it resets and goes over? Yeah, you know, there's obviously ways to work around that, but that was a big thing. Like if you're trying to do, you know, work a full time week, that's let's just say thirty. You might only see the same thirty in four weeks' time. EP is definitely a growing market, and it continues to be, but I think it's going to grow exponentially as we continue in the high performance space i think there is there's going to be the standard soon there's going to be snc coaches there's going to be exercise scientists but i think honestly ep is going to come to a point where it just first of all looks more financially viable for the client because you can claim it through private health and i know that exercise science has got something going on with booper at the moment but i think exercise physiology is only going to continue growing and yeah finances do come into it and if people know that they can save some money through private health insurance, they're going to do it. And it's the first step to get them in that door. Yeah, 100%. 100% agree with that. But yeah. It's clear. Obviously, I'm very biased in that view of having EPs in, you know, not just clinical settings, but like high performance settings. If It's also the example of like you build a car, you, you can pack the engine as much as you want, but if you can't brake or if you can't slow down or... Legitimate question. Do majority of clients start rehabbing an injury? So, yeah, so I'll, I'll have a few that come in that have been, you know, starting with injuries, but then you work with them 
the injuries, you, you've resolved the issue of the injury, and and they go, well, actually, you know what? I'm really enjoying this as well. Like I, yep. I can do the high performance side and the clinical. So for me, it's a bit of a selfish thing that I can be part of the whole journey in that. Well, they come for the rehab initially and that's where they're going to go to an exercise physiologist, maybe more so than someone that calls themselves an S&C coach because they want to get rehab first up. And sometimes the name can sell it to them. And then, yeah, by the way, to rehab the injury and to continue injury prevention, you kind of have to do an S&C program. It's really the same thing. Do we just bump it up a little bit? And I think that's going to be a huge selling point for any EPs that do want to come into the industry because there is a market for it. You're going to start off with the majority of your clients, or honestly, in our experience, injured, and they're going to realize, shit, this is what's going to keep me on the field for yeah. longer. I, I th- that, that's how it starts for us. But I think you know, in five, 10 years, it's almost going to be flipped over where a lot of the injury prevention stuff that we can do now gets put into place where people don't get injured as much. You know, that's, that's the goal. But then they realize that all the stuff that we're doing, we can actually not just help with one side, but we can help them throughout that whole journey. Where instead of the starting point being injured, it's now, I'm not injured, I'm healthy, but I can perform even better now with some of these tools that, that we can use as EPs or coaches. Not just in yourself personally, but have you seen a greater uptake from athletes just around South Australia, whether it be in the soccer space or other spaces, being like, yeah, I need to seek out something for myself? In the last few years, yes, oh, I think I think almost every club now. I think Cliff said like last week um, on the last podcast, like you, you can, you're starting to see them so much more now. Not not just in you know the top leagues, like you almost expect it should be there for the professional teams. Obviously, professional wages, professional setups, but it, it's getting filtered down to. Oh, so I won't say filtered down, but like you know all, all of the um, local leagues yep. for soccer, football. Well, you have pretty much every single MPL team with SNC coach. Most state League One teams do. Adelaide Uni took you full time on board last year, and look at the result that they had because of it. Yeah. We don't take any credit for any success, no. right? Shout no. out, boys. <laughs> Shout out to Adelaide Uni, boys. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that, that, that's a big thing that you know, and it's so underutilized as well. You've got what five hundred students coming out of uni programs. Two, two, two uni. Sorry, you got online students as well. There's, there's so much opportunity for students to get into these teams, for these teams to take a bit of a, you know, give, giving someone that bit of leeway to go, hey, look, I understand you're a new grad or you're, you're in your final year, but we've got a team here that you can start to use some of your experience with. Like, yes, we've got a coach here, but you can help out and you can and you can start to just dip your toes into that world. You don't have to be there. You don't have to call yourself like a full-time coach there, but you can just go, to, you know, I can come out on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which most teams train, I can jump in help out pick your brains and, and that's it but obviously at the same time half the kids that do the sports science degrees are playing sports as well so you know it's almost yeah. you got to find that balance but yeah are you allowed to leave us with where you're going to be taking yourself next year in terms of clubs um, the the announcement hasn't been official I'm still waiting for that but um, yeah on the, on the senior men's side I'll be going with Campbelltown City so they, um, they've been in the MPL for many years. Very successful team. Had the uh, three-peat on the uh, MPL champions, uh, championship for all the teams around Australia. So, you know, a lot of those players are still there. Um, so it's very exciting to work with them. Had, had, we've already started pre-season as well, so they're, they're looking good, looking fit. Keeping the boys on some strong as well. 
there's going to be some weapons to look out for for next year in that case. You know, fingers crossed that we're, we're, we're going to do well. We're going to, we're doing well with the fitness programs or the running. And then, yeah, on the women's side, I'm with uh, the NTC program, which is a state program here. So that's four, four years, five years with them now. And, and that's another, again, always, always changing. There's always turnover with that, but these guys are great. They had, you know, from the under-15s and under-14s, you can see that that's, again, another thing as well. Like, the state program's got, like, a strength conditioning coach looking after all their pre-season. And, you know, that, that's obviously, you know, you look at it, you go, that's, like, the top where all, all young girls should be aspiring to, mm-hmm. all young boys for the NTC boys program. Um, but, yeah, so I'll be with them for uh, 2022. Shit, we're almost there. Oh, it's going to be an exciting year. It's going to be a very exciting year. I'm sure that along with that, you've got many, many plans up your sleeve. Yes, yes. I uh, I can't seem to not just do one thing. So it's, th- a, it's a good problem. It's a very good problem. That's why it makes a good dynamic. Man. We're always looking at taking that net next step together. <laughs> Hopefully together, wherever it may go. And let's see what we can build Performex and AAC into in the next coming years. That's it. Destinations. Man, destination to be. Do you have anything to leave the people with on this podcast? Um, well, Follow PerformX on Instagram, Facebook. So, uh, Come yeah. on, man. No, we no, need some plugins. No, I'll, I'll leave with like a nice sound bout, a bite that we can go back in five years ago. That was a great call. But yes, follow me on um, Instagram at performex.sport. Um, I'll, I'll post up generally some funny stuff, some interesting exercises. Um some great um, presentations on recovery too. Oh, look, that I'll, I'll link everyone to the um, the uh, Dropbox into that presentation. It's, it was a one of a kind. Oh, thanks. <laughs> who, who put me under the bus then? Was it me? It was, for what? Who, who threw me under the bus for that one? What time? I think we've all thrown you under the bus for that one at one point. Oh, no. So what happened? So, someone couldn't make it last minute. That's why I was practicing with everyone because I didn't... So you had to pre-record it, didn't you? No? No, no, no. No, because I had to practice that presentation because yeah. that, that was presenting it. Mia did throw you under, but you're right. Yeah. She was meant to do it. And then I guess Victor took over and I guess three presentations at AAC prior to the actual <laughs> presentation. <laughs> Back, I made everyone stick around and listen. Man, that was a, that was a solid 45-hour presentation too. Oh, just had like graphs and laser pointers and jokes and stuff. He oh. did his best work there, I'll tell you what. Oh, but no, the sound soundbite I'm gonna leave with, December 15, twenty twenty one. In five years' time, everyone will own NFTs. Everyone doesn't own NFTs already. Oh, What's your portfolio like? Oh, don't worry about my portfolio. There, there's uh, another one to be added soon, and this is uh, the last time you'll see me. Crypto's uh, taking off. <laughs> Victor Thatcher before coin. Watch out. That's it. We're coming. Thank you for listening of half an hour of <laughs> some interesting topics there for sure. But it was a great insight just to see exactly what Victor's story was, what AAC's original story was, and what we've been doing this for over four years. Damn, we're going to be doing this for a long time. That's gold, baby. Yes, and see it is. Guys, remember to share if you got anything beneficial out of it. Watch out for cryptocurrency and NFTs in the next five years, and we'll see you on the next episode.